0: Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Old Testament prophet. We are in the second installment of a series called Missing Pieces. Somebody say missing pieces. And I don't know if you were here last week, but we made an appeal for people to step up and host small group environments. And so for those of you who were able to do that, I say thank you. For those of you who are still considering doing that, I want to encourage you. It's not too late. In fact, across all of our campuses, we had almost 400 people step up to either connect or host in a small group. Come on, can you put your hands together? Somebody say, yay, God. Now, look, Now, when you, when you make that decision, that's not just addition. That's multiplication. I just sense God trying to multiply our influence, our impact, and his hand through us. And so I encourage you to be a part of that. Go to the website. You can click on the the missing pieces banner if you're still interested in that. And so last week we talked about community. So this week I want to talk to you about purpose. Week number two, the installment is purpose. Everybody say purpose. Purpose. And here is the puzzle piece that I think is extremely important because, you know, once we, we connect with God and with each other through community, I think God brings us down a path where we begin to discover our purpose. Have you ever looked at somebody and just you knew immediately what they were born to do? Yeah, when Celine Dion opens her mouth, come on, talk to me. How many of you think that God has put something inside of her and she has discovered what that is? Yeah, I listen to T.D. Jakes, man. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that boy was born to preach. It doesn't take long. Have you ever noticed that in people around you? You can recognize that. You look at LeBron James. I'm convinced he was not born for ballet. Hello. That brother was born to play ball it's amazing how people go through life struggling to find their purpose but once they do that's the sweet spot of their experience and I want to encourage people today but I want you I want you to pay attention to this in fact if you're taking notes I want you to write this down the three most important days of your life okay the three most important days you ready the day you were born how many think that's pretty important turn your neighbor and say I'm glad you're here Yeah, well, I had about 25 teenagers at my house last night because we were celebrating a soon-to-be 16-year-old girl in my house. Yeah, Michaela's going to be 16 tomorrow, okay? Three most important days of your life, the day you were born, the day you were born again, and the day you realize what you were born to do. Okay, I want you to consider that. The day you were born, the day you were born again, And then the day you realize what you were born to do. If the devil can't stop you from being born, and if he can't keep you from being born again, come on, somebody, he will do everything within his power to keep you from realizing what you were born to do. Come on, somebody say amen in this house. And so for some of us, there have been pieces that have been missing and we've tried to figure out what that missing piece is. Have you ever received, maybe you've got small kids, and they come home from school, maybe from art class, and they've made a drawing, and they're so excited. How many of you have artwork on your refrigerator? Oh, yes, indeed. Just proud of it. Now, you may not know what most of it is, but they're sure excited about it, right? Right. They come home, and they're like, Mama, look, look, look at the drawing that I made. Look at what I colored. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. I just love it. I love what you did right there. What is that? You, you may not know what it is, but they know exactly what it is. You see, the easiest way to discover the purpose of an invention is to ask the creator of it. I want you to know you did not create yourself, so there's no idea you, don't, you can't determine what you were created for. If we didn't create ourselves, we can't determine what we were created for. But if we have a creator, if we have an almighty God who spoke the worlds into existence, and before you were even born, he created, he knew before he formed you in your mama's belly what you would do. How many thinks it's a good idea to, to consult the creator To determine what our purpose is in Jeremiah chapter 18 look at verse 1 the Bible says the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying arise go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my words aren't you thankful for the words of God he says go to the potter's house and I'll cause you to hear my words Jeremiah says then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Notice the potter's in control. Notice the potter's making the decision. The clay is simply shaped, it's available, it's yielded, it's willing. But the potter, as it seemed good to the potter to make, verse 5, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? I, I love this. I want you to know this. You were made by God for God. And it's only in God that you discover your purpose. Okay, some of you missed a good place to say amen. That was strong. Because we live in a world that tries to define its own identity according to their own understanding. But the truth is, you and I were made by God for God. And it's only in God that we will discover why we were created. And sometimes life doesn't work out the way that we want it to, the way that we think it should. We, we understand, wait a second, I'm simply clay. God, you're the potter. And if you want to reshape, if you want to rework some things, if you want to apply pressure in some areas of my life, if you want to smooth off some things that are rough, come on, talk to me now. Lord, it's not for me to decide, it's for me to surrender. We were made by God, for God, and it's only in God that we discover our purpose. Now, when you came in today, hopefully you received one of these puzzle pieces. How many of you got a puzzle piece? All right. Take that piece and hold it in your hand. If you did not get a puzzle piece, I want to make sure everybody gets a chance to participate. Hold up your hand if you didn't get a puzzle piece, okay? Ushers are going to look around, make sure everybody gets a chance to participate in this. This puzzle piece, I I love this picture. I I love the picture, the the metaphor. We talk about missing pieces. Somebody told me this morning when when they got a puzzle piece, hey, look, we don't want you to miss any pieces. They got this little puzzle piece. Say, yeah, I think I'm missing a few pieces up here. Make sure you get all your puzzle pieces. I I love this metaphor. And I I wanted to show you this illustration. Hold on to this this puzzle piece because it's going to come in very handy in just a minute. How many of you like to make puzzles? How many of you, maybe you get together with your family and friends over the holidays. Anybody ever put together like a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle? Okay, yeah. How many of you like that? Oh, wow. We've got a prayer ministry. We're going to pray over you before you leave today. How many of you don't have the patience to put together a puzzle? Oh, yeah. Or if you do put together a puzzle, it's got to be like big pieces that are really obvious. Yeah, I'm not very good at putting together a, a, a jigsaw puzzle. But I tell you this, my wife is amazing at it. In fact, she and her, her mom and her grandma, in fact, for the holidays, she and her grandma will put together, and it takes them days, you know. And they're just so patient and just so content and, you know, just, just so careful. And, and I'm like, no, just give me food and some football and, you know. But, but you know, th- there's a strategy to putting together a puzzle. Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, what do you do first? What, what's the first thing that you got to do if you're going to put together a puzzle? Yeah, yeah, okay. So I want you to see what I have up here. The first thing that Rachel tells me to look for are the four corners. They're, they're, th- these are unique pieces, and there's only four of them. But you got to get these four corners to kind of frame in what we're looking at. And then every piece that has a straight edge, if you can line those pieces up, then it begins to give you the, the, the space, the dimension in which you're going to work. So for all of you puzzle experts, if I've got that one right, can you say Amen. Okay, good. You start with the corners, and you work those edges. And there there are three things that I want you to see in this analogy that I think are going to help us when it comes to discovering your purpose. Some of you, you're here, and you celebrate the day you were born every year. Thank God for that. Some of you have yet to make a decision to be born again. I pray that you do that before you leave today. But for those of you that are born again, and you still haven't discovered what you were born to do, I think this day is going to be the turning point for you. You know, when you put together the the outer frame of a puzzle, the first thing that comes to my mind is the word opportunity. Somebody say opportunity. You see, God frames in opportunities and sets them right in front of us. When it comes to discovering our purpose, the starting point is opportunity. I want you to know sometimes opportunities can be disguised. You don't consider it an opportunity, but it is. I want to tell you, sometimes opportunities can be disguised as work. Well, well, wait a second now, Pastor, wait. That's not the dream in my heart. Well, wait. But it may be the responsibility in your hand. And until you're faithful with what God's put in your hand, come on now. You see, God's framed in opportunity. You say, well, wait a second, Pastor, I'm just a student. Okay, that is your current assignment. If you're a student, I know you have a dream and a desire, but God's put something in your hand, and he's saying, be faithful as a student. Some of you work at a plant. Some of you are business people. Some of you stay-at-home moms. Whatever your current assignment is, don't see that as the enemy to what's in your heart. Sometimes opportunities are disguised as work. You want to hear a cool story? Okay, check this out. Several months ago, I get a text from my my roommate in college. We lived together for a couple of years. He lives in Leesville, Louisiana. Come on. Anybody know where Leesville is? Come on. Anybody from Leesville? (laughs) Should we just pray for Leesville right now? He sent me a text. He said, Mike, look, uh, are you okay if if we use some HPC material for a Bible study that that my wife and I are going to host? I was like... By all means, whatever resource we have here that can help you further the kingdom, use it. And so now now he and his wife, Grant and Angel, they are restaurant owners in Leesville, Louisiana. They own two restaurants. And so what they do is they host a Bible study at one of the restaurants. And so they, they take a sermon video from HPC. Now, his wife is super smart, so she kind of designed some Q&A, discussion questions. They they meet in the restaurant. They shut the restaurant down at about 6 o'clock, invite everybody to the restaurant, watch this little video message, and then sit at tables. And since it's at a restaurant, how many know they're going to eat? And then talk through some discussion questions. So they did that for like once a month. Well, it has gained such popularity. He said, Mike, they're wanting us to do this every week. Is it okay that we use them every week? I'm like, bro, whatever you need, use it. Well, they play instruments. So he he can play the the piano. He can play the violin. He can play the guitar. His son plays. Some guy stepped up and said, look, I can play the drums. The other guy said, hey, I play the bass. Now they put together. They've gone from meeting every month to meeting every week. They don't just show the sermon videos, but they do a little worship. They still do some discussion questions afterwards. They eat. He said, we reach a 100 people every single Sunday night in the restaurant. He, he, he showed me their kid space. Man, they got kids crawling on tables, man, playing Miss Pac-Man. I mean, it's just crazy. And all these men, they're worshiping, they're receiving the word. God is, he said, Mike, we haven't invited anybody. We've never made any official invitation. But we've just created a space. Now, it's, they're, they're, it's their restaurants, but they've gone from feeding people's belly to feeding people's soul. And, And I don't know where God wants to take it, and he was very quick to tell me, hey, don't try to define what I'm doing in Leesville. It almost feels like an Acts chapter 2, kind of a New Testament, you know, breaking bread together, sharing together. You know, I had a couple come. He said, you know, he was Catholic and she was Baptist, and they struggled to find a place of worship. So they said, well, look, why don't we just start our own environment? Let's start something brand new. Let's give that Bible study at that restaurant a, a try. Absolutely love it. He said, a guy came back next week and said, this is my home church right here. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa sweet Jesus. <laughs> whoa, what's going on here? L- listen, how can you take your daily responsibility and view it through the lens of kingdom opportunity? You see, what is it that God has put in your hand? He's put something in your hand, and I promise you, it's not the enemy to what's in your heart. But if you will faithfully steward the opportunities in front of you, watch what begins to happen. Some of you have struggled to find out, okay, what is my purpose? I just feel like I'm working a job. How can you take your job, surrender it to the Lord, and say, God, use me in this place, in this space for your purpose? Now you're not just clocking in and clocking out. It's not just people that you work with or frustrations you're trying to to, to endure, but you're going to the job on heavenly assignments. Okay, God, I've got a light that you have placed inside of me. How can I let that shine to those that I work with? I mean, consider this. Remember in the Old Testament, the story of Joseph? Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. He was sold as a slave to the Ishmaelites. He ends up in Egypt serving in Potiphar's house. Watch this. He worked for Potiphar. He got framed, falsely accused, and he ended up in prison. So now he's working in prison. While he's there in prison, the favor of God is still upon him. He's called up by Pharaoh. He worked from Potiphar's house. He worked in the prison. Now he's working for Pharaoh. And guess who God brings back into Joseph's stewardship, his brothers who betrayed him. Do you see how taking work, if you'll be faithful with what's now, God will take care of what's next. Come on, if you believe that, put your hands together. Somebody say opportunities. Whatever your daily responsibilities are, surrender those things to the Lord. See it through the realm of kingdom opportunity because God frames in the picture through faithfulness. If you will serve where you are, just start where you are right now. Start where you are and use what you have. If you start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, you'll begin to see supernatural things happen in ordinary, everyday opportunities. First one is opportunity. I want you to see that framed-in picture. The second, and as it relates to divine purpose and understanding what our calling is, once we have the framework, now once we begin to, to see, okay, Lord, th- this is my assignment, this is what you've called me to... Then you've got to kind of cluster together a group of pieces. You you start to kind of manipulate based on shapes, okay, what that picture could look like. And things start to click together in clusters. The second thing, not only does God frame in opportunities, but number two, there's a thing called gifting. Everybody say gifting. You have gifts. You have talents. You have abilities. So whatever your current assignment is, That's your opportunity. But then as you get connected relationally, you find your fit, okay? And it's in the context of relationship and community that giftings come forth, okay? I want you to know this, and it's very important that you hear me, church, because I think one of the number one lies of the enemy to the church today is this. He'll tell you, you have nothing to offer. And some of you have bought into that lie. You feel like you just don't have anything to contribute. And maybe that's because you see the giftings of others and you compare yourself to others and you think, well, I can't sing like that. I can't preach like that. I can't lead like that. I could never. And you've said that your whole life and you feel like you don't have anything to offer. I want to tell you what, that's not true. Hear me. You need what's in this house But this house needs what's inside of you. You have a gift. You have a talent. You have an ability. You have something placed in you by God himself. Can I have a good amen? You see, it takes others to confirm the gifts that God has given us. Did you know that? When you are in a small group or when you are connected relationally, that's the environment for you to begin to discover and develop your spiritual gifts. Do you know I had people tell me long before I ever became a pastor, they saw pastoral potential inside of me. And you know what? I resented it. Don't tell me what I'm going to do with my life. Come on, how many knows what I'm talking about? I had an English teacher in high school. She saw something in me, and she would kind of speak some things over me, and, man, I just fought it tooth and toenail. No, 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 I'm going to play basketball for the rest of my life. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to travel the world and play ball. Guess what? You know where my athletic ability got me to? Pineville, Louisiana. Thank God for Pineville, but that's all that's all the talent I had. Guess where the gospel has taken me? To the four corners of the earth. Now, I was resisting that in high school. I said, I'd never preach. No, 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 I ain't going to do it. You see, my English teacher saw something in me. She saw compassion. She saw some, uh, you know, uh, maybe an ability to communicate. And so she began to speak some things over me, and I just was resisting it. I went off to college, and they started this FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and some of the guys were like, hey, well, why don't you lead the Bible study? Okay, so guess what? All the guys on the basketball team, there were 11, 12 of us. I didn't realize it at the time, but those 12 guys on the basketball team w- were the, was the first church I ever pastored. Come on, me, come on, help me now. I didn't see it. And see, some of you, you don't even see what's in you. But God's going to use other people to confirm what's in you. I was like, I had no, I just I'd start out fellowship of Christian athletes every Tuesday. I'd lead a Bible study. And after the Bible study, some of the guys were like, hey, that was really good. Have you ever thought about going into ministry? Don't you? No, no, I ain't doing it. You sounded like my English teacher in high school. Quit all that. But the more I begin to lead that Bible study, the more God began to work in my heart. You see, you have some things inside of you, and you think it's just normal. But God's saying, no, 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 It's exceptional. You see, you don't recognize it, but it takes somebody else to say, "Hey, when you do that? You do that really well. Oh, no, it's not a big deal. Yes, it is. It's a big deal because the God who created you placed that gift inside of you. Maybe it's a gift of administration. Maybe it's a gift of hosting and relationship. Maybe it's a problem-solving gift. I don't know what it is, but God has placed something from heaven inside of your heart, and he's given it to you, but that gift is not just for you. Are you with me today? Come on, are you into this? Could you please inform your face that you're into this? Yeah. Read with me in 1 Corinthians 12. The Bible says in verse 7, a spiritual gift. Somebody say spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Why? So that we can help each other. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a gift. Now, don't downplay it big. Oh, no, I, don't. I there's nothing really. I do that well. No, no. Okay. This verse applies to you. If you're a part of the church, you've given your life to Jesus. Remember, the day you were born, the day you were born again. Now, this gifting is helping to define what you were born to do. Let me read it again. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Turn your neighbor and say, you're not the exception. You see, you have something inside of you put there by God himself. If you're taking a sub-note on point number two as it relates to gifting, write this down. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a gift. If you're born again, you have a gift placed there by God. When I say gift, I'm talking about uh, God's ability on your life to do more than you could do on your own. What is a gift? It's, It's the ability that God has given you to do more than you could do in your own natural strength. Now listen, we are stewards of the gift. If somebody gives you a gift, guess what? It came from somewhere else. It's not necessarily belonging to you, but it came from somewhere else. When that thing is placed inside of you, you become a steward of it. You're not an owner, but you're a steward. Whatever talent, whatever ability, whatever gifting God has placed inside of you, you become a steward of that gift. Now listen, everybody has a gift. And the, the second part of that is this. That gift inside of you is for the purpose of helping somebody else. We're each given a spiritual gift to help one another. Okay, let, 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 me, let me just bring it back down to right here, 19202 Highland Road. Come in here on a Sunday morning. How many of you, man, as a worship player, the music's going forward, and man, when our seed steps up to sing, All right, now, and I know we've got a ton of gifted men and women, musicians and singers, but I'm just going to single him out. How many of you, when he begins to sing, you recognize that God has gifted him? Not only has he gifted him, but it's not just a talent or an ability, but there's an anointing there. There's something in him and on him. Now, watch this. That gift is not about him. God loves you so much that he would gift our seed with the ability to sing and an anointing to usher in his presence. Guess what? That gift creates work for him, but it blesses you. Are you with me? That's why we can't. Now, don't get all, you know, we get disjointed now. We get sideways because we don't understand the principles of the gifting. You know, gifting is not a platform to say, I'm better than you. Gifting is a platform to say, how can I serve you? You see, somebody's hungry for a microphone. Oh, I just need a stage and a microphone. Listen, you're making the gift about yourself. You don't need a microphone. You need a mop. Can Can you scrub a toilet? Come on, talk to me. If you're chasing a microphone, you'll never stand on this stage. But if you're willing to mop the floors, then you may have the opportunity to hold a mic. Because you understand that the gift on you is not for you; it's for somebody else. When David Ray stands on this stage and when he preaches, how many know that brother's got a preaching gift? And there's an exhortation. When he preaches, you feel encouraged. There's a, there's a power, and an, guess what? That gift is not for him. That gift creates work for him. He's got to study. He's got to prepare, man. He's got to lay before the Lord. He's got to sacrifice personal time with his family, with things that he wants to do. And, Lord, i got to get before you because I need a word. That gift creates work for him, but it blesses all of us. We walk out of here feeling like we're 10 feet tall, like we can charge hell with a water pistol. Why? Because of the anointing on David's life to give us the word. Come on, put your hands together. Now, I know sometimes it gets a little awkward we're singling people out. Everybody's got a gift, and maybe it's not to sing. Maybe it's not to preach. I'm going to tell you, my wife has the gift of faith. Now, I know there's an element of faith that all of us receive as it relates to salvation, but then the Bible also talks about a spiritual gift of faith. When it comes to healings and miracles, that girl I'll tell you what, she, makes, she dwarfs my faith. She is a giant. She's so, as, as it relates to standing on the promises of God. God has given her a gift of faith. When there's sickness in our family, guess what? They all ask a mama to pray. I know daddy's a preacher, but mama's got the gift of faith. You know, some of you have administrative gifts. Some of you have gifts of wisdom. Earl Rentz has wisdom. I'll tell you what when I when there's challenges or, or questions or problems here, and Earl's our operations officer, I'm telling you what, there are very few decisions at a high level that I make that I don't pass by Earl Rents because I know he's got a gift of wisdom. Johnny's got a leadership gift. I could go on and on and on. You have a gift, but watch this. Don't make the gift about you. Let me let me take this another step. There's also a danger when it comes to gifting. Using it selfishly, but then watch this, comparing yourself to somebody else. The devil wants you to be jealous over somebody else's gift. And I'm going to tell you, if you're jealous over the gift that somebody else has, you'll never walk in the gift that God has for you. And you'll never be able to receive the gift that God's placed on them. If I'm jealous over the way somebody preaches or teaches or talks then it limits my ability to receive what God wants to give me through them. Are you with me today? Listen to this. Let me read this so fast. I'm sorry. I'm running out of time. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, Would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts. Somebody say many parts. We're one body, but we have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Can I have a good amen? So God gives us opportunities, but then he helps us with this thing called giftings. Happy is the man who operates in his own gifts. Miserable is the person who's jealous over somebody else's gift. Opportunities, giftings. And then there's this last thing here. Has this been helpful today? We're talking about eternal purpose now. Some of us are starting to get dialed in. You're seeing the opportunity God has placed in front of you. God has framed it in. All these straight edges and corners are starting to come together. Then when you make a decision to get in a cluster and find your fit, then you discover and develop that gifting that God has placed inside of you. But then right here, and I want to finish by giving you this piece. This is one single piece. And this piece represents pain. Somebody say pain. Now, it would be great if we could leave this piece out of the box, right? Have you ever tried to put a puzzle together, and there's this one piece, and you're thinking, man, where does this fit? I wish we wouldn't have to talk about this one. This is the one that we'd just as soon just leave out the box. But I want to tell you this. I think God uses pain to help us discover our purpose. This ought to bring hope to some people. Notice I didn't say God causes pain, but I think God uses pain. God will use painful experiences. And some of you have had such horrific pain, traumatic pain, and you're thinking, where in the puzzle does that piece even belong? I have no idea what to do with that piece it sure doesn't feel like an opportunity and clustered together in friendship and relationship we're trying to make sense of uh, it seems like everybody else's life is perfect and here I got this little isolated piece right here that I have no idea what to do with and I feel like God says trust me with that piece trust me with that piece you know what we can't heal ourselves But when we give all of our pieces to the Lord, he has a way of bringing those pieces together. Please, please don't misinterpret the presence of your pain as the absence of your God. Mike, where is God when I'm suffering? Mike, how did this happen to me? I don't understand this piece. And if we're not careful, we will fixate on a single piece and we'll miss the big picture. Come on, are you catching this? You see, pain, even pain can be the servant of God. I believe, I believe your most effective ministry can come out of your deepest pain. And I'm not trying to minimize people's pain in here today but I am trying to help you see it through a different lens Jesus said in this world you will always have tribulation you're going to have struggle there's going to be things that hurt you're like how why I don't understand you know when when, uh, I think Alexa was maybe six or seven years old we were playing kickball in the backyard and being the good dad that I am course I was letting her win. Of course I was letting her win. She was killing me, crushing me. But she made a mistake. She started running her mouth. How many of you know that's a game changer right there? Okay, six-year-old girl, I was like, you know, 30-some-odd, strong, strapping, 200 pounds, all muscle, you know, wait. wait. Okay, is that how it's going to be? So I started, I started playing. Well, she felt the game was slipping away from her. Now all of a sudden the score is tied up. She wasn't dominating Dad like she used to. I kicked the ball into the corner of the yard, ran at first base, second base. I rounded third, and there was Alexa standing in front of home plate with that ball. She left me no choice. Look. Now, I got a competitive drive that... Maybe it doesn't need to be crucified, but it needs to be sanctified. Come on, talk to me. Anybody? She's standing there with those big brown eyes, and she's got that ball, and she's the only one in in my way of victory. I'm proving a point. So I rounded third, and I ran at her, I mean straight on. She's got that ball. Her brown eyes got so big. And I go to slide because I'm taking that girl out. And I go to slide, and I, when I when I tuck my leg underneath my body, my toe got caught in the turf, <laughs> and it I snapped my leg. Pop! I mean, it's like you ever broke a pencil? That's exactly what it sounded like. Pop! And I broke the bone in my leg, and I'm hobbling on one foot. My my foot is just dangling right here on the end. Of it. She takes that ball and goes. Look, I had no mercy. That girl had no mercy on me. Rachel had to call her dad. Her dad came to the house and put me on a dolly, okay? Loaded me up on a dolly, put me in the back of a pickup truck and took me to the hospital. True story. Oh, pain. Guess what? I got a metal plate and seven screws in this ankle to this day. My days of kickball are over. But, you know, the doctor told me, he said, listen, You may break your leg again, but you'll never break it in that same place. You know what's interesting? Some of you have broken pieces in your life. And God wants to take the broken pieces and bring such strength. I'm telling you, there will be a strength that comes from that brokenness. How do you think cancer ministry got started? Somebody had a diagnosis that wasn't favorable. How do you think a a class called Grieving with Hope gets started? Somebody lost a child. Somebody had, well, how do you think a divorce recovery environment got created? Somebody walked through a horrific divorce. I don't know what your pain is, but I'll tell you this. If you'll give that peace to the Lord, he will heal it. He will strengthen you in that very place, and your most effective ministry may come from your deepest pain. Now, everybody got a piece. I want you to hold that piece in your hand. You know what's cool? I want you to see this. I preached the whole message for this final point. This piece that you have in your hand, when all of these pieces come together, your piece, my piece, when it's all locked together, you know what it creates? It creates a picture. The piece that you have. Now, listen, you're just one part. But the part you play is not even as big as what you're a part of. When all of these pieces come together, you know what the picture is? It's a healing place. For a hurting world there's something about spiritual family when we come together and we lock arms when we link together in community in small groups discovering our gifts and even sharing our pain that God says I'll pour out my grace on that place God wants you to know that you're not alone in your struggle that he will use even your pain to help you discover your purpose can I have a good amen. Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.